So this is the second of our audio series on mindful eating, and I'm here with Charlotta. Charlotta, what are we talking about on this particular audio? Okay, so we're coming into the second practice, which is called Dear Body, as the book and the program is called. So really, I kind of see mindful eating as almost just a part of it because it becomes much bigger than that, as you also pointed out. So this this particular practice is about shifting from outside eyes to inside eyes. It's about presence and it's about changing the relationship with the body and understanding what the body offers us. So I start by quoting this most beautiful quote from the Buddha himself. There is one thing that when cultivated and regularly practiced leads to deep spiritual intention, to peace, to mindfulness and clear comprehension, to vision and knowledge, to a happy life here now and to the culmination of wisdom and awakening. And what is that one thing? It is mindfulness centered in the body. So... Personally, I can say when I started mindfulness, I was really disconnected from the body. Mm. I really was a floating mind. I had no idea. The body was just this thing that either put on weight, didn't put on weight and was in a way, in the way. Um, And yet now, so many years down the track, I can say that mindfulness of the body has been the most profound practice for me without any comparison because in effect you step out of the story when you're in the body. So you're not cultivating further misery. You can process the most horrific pain in the body. And I have the privilege of working with some beautiful people whose children have either died or who are very ill. And it astounds me how even those enormous issues can somehow be held in the body and can help them give give these people some peace and some kindness. So it's the first practice also because... We're so disconnected from it. So it's about shifting from outside eyes to inside eyes. And that first came about as I was working with a young girl who had an eating disorder. She came on a retreat and uh, at the end of the retreat, um, we simply sat there um, and then we, I asked her to close the eyes and just connect with the body from this perspective of the inside eyes. And, you know, within a moment, and she was only 18, she said, Oh, Charlotta, there's no judgment there. So beautiful. So there's no judgment in insight eyes, right? So it kind of gives us a break from all that relentless comparing our bodies to how we think it should be. We then start to relate to it in a very different way. And also, of course, when we're referring to it as dear body, as we said before, you know, we kind of want to protect it. We want to do the right thing by it. Mm. So let's look a little bit about what else does mindfulness of the body offer? Because it's, it's, it's so rich. The first thing is to say that the issues are in the tissues. Everything that has ever occurred in your life is stored in your body. Mm. And if you doubt that, then consider for a moment that you place your tongue on the carpet or on the wall and you kind of know what it would taste like, don't you? Mm. Simply because you had it in your mouth when you were about to, <laughs> as you would know <laughs> yes. being a father of a two-year-old, yes. right? Yes. Everything's in his mouth. Yes. So we still remember this. We remember everything. Mm. And that also means that potentially everything's a little trigger, a little reminder mm. of something that's happened in the past, good or bad. Mm. Of course, the more dangerous screams louder. But that means the body is constant reminder and a check-in and a tag, if you like, for the past. Yeah, and it stores all those traumatic 
And Indeed. there's that trigger memory. So, I mean, at the most simple level, I remember my uncle describing, my uncle was carjacked and shot in oh. the car. Uh, he survived. But mm-hmm. um, I remember every single time a car backfired, yes. for example, yep. he would go into this big reaction. It was like it got replayed and it wasn't, he knew intellectually that's a car backfiring, but like the body just keeps replaying it. We know this is what the body does and we know that from childhood memories. Yeah. There's all kinds of trauma. It's just all stored in there and it and it keeps getting triggered and played out and That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So in a way also, you know, in that you you can see the body as your most noble servant. It does this, it remembers this so you'll be safe. So mm. for your uncle, it went, be careful, be careful. Because yeah. it went, you know, there's a dangerous thing. When we have that noise, there's danger. Yes. So that kind of is endearing, isn't it? Mm. To think the body is always on the lookout, always watching out. Is there anything I should be worried about here? Mm. Right, so that you can be safe. Mm. It's kind of sweet. Mm. It also anchors us in the present moment. So as soon as I'm aware of the body, I'm present. I'm out of my mind activity around, you know, future and past issues. And, you know, it brings us to me to a place where there's no story. Right. So when I'm just aware of a body sensation of, say, guilt, there's just this sensation. There's no story. I'm just processing the, the, the sensation itself. And that's a bit like a holiday away from the self, which is pretty good. Yeah, we pay a lot of money usually for that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You could do it just like that. Yeah. Of course, we also know that mindfulness of the body calms us down. Mm. It's, a, it's an antidote to stress and anxiety. Mm. Um, Grounds and, and it grounds literally. It grounds, it grounds us, us. absolutely. That person's, we use terms like that person's comfortable in their own skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or that person's quite grounded, aren't they? Mm. We'd say, well, how do you do that? You do that by becoming comfortable in your own skin. Yes. Meaning embracing the body and dear body and really embracing it, being comfortable with it, kind with it. But you can't embrace something without really being mindful and connected with it, right? That's right. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. It's like you can't run away or judge the body and still be connected with it. It's one or the other. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And there's comfort in the connection. There's comfort, there's care, there's wanting to protect, there's love. Yeah. There's all that we want to have in order to want to take care of it in an yeah. honorable, honor, honoring way, I think. Yes, yeah. The other thing is that we start to realize that the context of our experience is the body. Now, this is quite new to most people because we kind of think that, you know, the thoughts rule the, the show. And it's true that we can think of something and that'll have a body reaction. But that's not how we function most of the time. Most of the time, we're actually not conscious. We're not aware of what's going on. We're just on autopilot. And in that autopilot state, the body is the context. Hmm. So let We know that we haven't slept. Everything is a little bit irritating. Um, We know that if we're stressed, empathy goes. And here's another example. Let's say that I'm sitting here and I'm really wanting a piece of chocolate cake, okay? So in comes a chocolate cake. I look at it and I go, yum, yum, yum. I eat it all up. Then comes a second piece from the same cake. It comes in and I go, you know what? I don't know when I get the opportunity to have one, so I'm going to have it as well. Mm. Then comes the third piece. How am I likely to see that third piece? Yeah, I guess with a sense of probably at this point, I, I just I can't bear it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. Okay, so it's the same cake. What has changed? Our relationship with it, I guess, the history with it. 
That's what changes because the body has changed because mm. it's the same cake, right? Yeah. So what has changed? The body has changed and that makes me now see the cake in a different way. Mm-hmm. So no longer with great desire but actually with repulsion. Mm. So the body in this way is the context, right? Mm-hmm. This is really important to be aware of because when I'm not aware of that, I think what I'm thinking is true. But when I know that when I have a thought of anxiety, I can simply go, oh, little thought, what sensation gave rise to you? Because there is no way I can have an anxious thought without the body being anxious. Mm. And that means it's very easy for me to know, well, they're not me. Obviously, I'm coming back to my foundation, my body, and I need to calm it down. So this is when I go, some of the techniques that we, we, we use, for instance, about the five magic breaths, calming the body down, or just acknowledging that place that's generating the anxiety is enough to calm it down. So just to remind the listener, the five magic breaths are the double, double this time out then in, that's so the right. one, two, three, so and then one, two, three, four, in. five, six, or something like that. Exactly. And yeah. you do it five times. and that's Five times, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we notice the in-breath, we count, and then we count twice as far on the out-breath yep. and allowing that breath to sink mm. into the body to yeah. calm ourselves down. Yep. It, I mean, it's also really, really useful to know, for instance, that um, because the body can't lie and because it's the context of our experience, when I'm being very, very angry at you, I know that it arises out of a certain body state. And I can trust that when, when my body is in a state, I should not say a word. I should actually zip it and don't press send. Mm. Right? Mm. And that's totally reliable. Mm. The mind is going to go, somebody should tell her, you know, about time, la 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 la, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. But you also know when you've given into that, you've regretted it later. Mm. So the, the thing is here, the body is your reliable information. Mm. It also reacts much quicker than the mind, which is interesting. So, you, you know, through neuroception, if there's a loud noise, what happens? Yeah, you jump. You jump. And not because you go, oh, my goodness, that was a loud noise, I better jump, yeah. right? It happens instantly. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the body is constantly tune, tuning in all the time. Personally, I notice rage, anger, frustration, delight arise in the body before any thoughts about it. And this is actually what we'll know when we slow things down. We'll notice that the first phase of experience occurs in the body. So I was having an interaction with a colleague of mine And I don't know what arose between us. I think it was some competitiveness. All of a sudden, I could feel this red rod of rage come up. And I thought, ooh, I better not say anything now. Mm. And just by paying attention to it, it subsided. And then I was free to interact again. The issue has never arisen again between us, Mm. which I think is really interesting to know that sometimes what we think is an interpersonal thing, when we notice in the body, we just go, oh, that was just rage visiting. And it goes again. It's not me. It doesn't make me an angry, competitive person. It's just a visitor. Mm. right? So there's an enormous potential in that space. Um, Also that when we um, do our mindfulness practice around the body, so when we do the body scan and we just tune into the body, it strengthens the insula in the brain. The insula is also responsible for empathy. So actually as we're becoming more tuned into the body, we naturally become more empathic. Um, and they're sort of the, the, key, the key things around the, the benefits of mindfulness of the body. Mm. So it's very worthwhile to cultivate. You want to just I can add one thing on that, which is mm-hmm. um, we're all seeking and chasing good feelings and feeling well. 
And when we're disconnected, uh, and, and sorry, and, the, and what we, we want to do things that are valuable for us. And what's valuable for us is what makes us well, feel happy, basically. And what's really interesting is the more disconnected we are from the body, the more we do senseless things. Yeah. We do things that are actually not well for us. They're not necessarily mm-hmm. nourishing us at all. We eat rubbish because we're just disconnected yeah. from. And the irony is, as we overeat, for example, a lot of the time we're just trying to get reconnected yeah. through overeating. Exactly. But it's so ironic because mm-hmm. it's just a sort of cycle of, it's almost like a, her, a sort of a drug addict going, chasing happiness through drugs. You, you know, you get a sort of temporary hit, mm-hmm. but it just leaves you in progressively worse place. So the other thing that for me, the real value of being tuned into the body is, it's, as you said, it doesn't lie, it's telling us. This this is worthwhile doing more of this or less yeah, of that. It's, that's right. it's and so we can lead a sensible, sensational, value valuable life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting with the the the, the sort of that it's food that we often go to or putting mm. something in our mouth, mm. right? Um, but as we've noticed that you know that that very first nourishment and the first associations we have in life is about food. And yeah. feeling safe, yeah. so it's not surprising that we go to that mm. for connection. Yes, right. Yeah. Um, so food. one of the things that we, you know, you might have noticed from the first session is when you're curious, you go, "How connected and disconnected am I? Mm. Did I connect with the people at work today? Do I know, you know, what's going on for them? Did I say good morning and really look at them, mm. or was I just focused on me and my task? Right? Mm. Because in that way, I'm not filling my cup. I'm not filling their cup. Yeah. Right. So, so in this way, this this practice becomes sort of an entry point for so much curiosity, and actually for your mind, for your relationship with life. Mm. And that's what we're seeing. You know, people are continuously sending me emails and information saying, "I noticed, for instance, that I never valued really cooking and eating. I just thought it was a waste of time." And then now I'm noticing, boy, the peril in my life is I never take time for the good things. I just, I just have this mental pattern of just do what you have to do. Mm. Just don't waste time on the mm. luxuries. Yeah. Right? Boy, it opened up a whole journey for mm. me. So the things to come into, for instance, is that the body is organic. You know, it's so interesting when you read a lot of literature, you know, many people say the body is a machine. That's a sin to say mm. that, right? Because mm. it's not. It's it's organic. Mm. It's organic. If it if you got the most beautiful plant, how would you treat it? Right? Mm. You wouldn't just sort of, you know, ignore it and kick it every now and then and you know, mm. you would you would treat it well. You would think, what helps you thrive, dear dear plant? Well, you need some sunlight. You know, it's interesting, for instance, with the body, when you are out for in, 15, in the sun for more than 15 minutes, your um, cholesterol is converted into vitamin D. Mm. The body needs to be outside. The body needs to move. Mm. We forget that we are organic, mm. right? So that also means we don't need plastic food. We don't need highly processed foods because the body doesn't know what to do with it. Mm. Sometimes it can't even get rid of it, right? So remembering that it's organic. And as we've said, we protect what we fall in love with. So coming into that kind relationship with the body and get to know it, get to notice. You know, one woman said to me when I was telling her about the program, she said, oh, I don't need that. Um, You know, I'm lucky I don't put on weight. I said, well, how do you – she said, oh, I have binges every now and then. So I said, how do you feel the next day? She said, yeah, I feel a bit foggy and a bit bloated, Right. But it was kind of okay because she didn't put on weight. But it's not okay because that's mm. not okay for the body, mm. right? 
And also changing the way so you speak to it. So catching out when you're say, when you're abusive to the body, catching out when you're criticizing and when you're going, oh, I can't believe this stomach, or oh, I can't believe this cellulite, or oh, I can't believe this. <sighs> Dear body, thank you. Right. Mm. And of course, also being curious around the, the bigger perspective, the bigger insights that the body kind of offers around impermanence, constant change, every state, every moment is different to the mm. next and interconnectedness, how dependent it is on, on air, that in every breath there's particles of the ocean, of ancient forests, of every other human. You know, it's, it's, it, we are interconnected. We are of the same matter, if you mm. like. So I just wanted to I'm going to ask what might seem an unrelated question, but I'm just sitting here as a curious listener. Yeah. Um, sugar. Yes. The dreaded sugar. Yeah. 40, 40 teaspoons of sugar a day apparently is what the average Australian eats. Right. Yeah, that is a lot, isn't it? Hidden places. Yeah, right. it's from that. That's mm-hmm. from that documentary film, that that sugar film, which is yep. an Australian film. Mm-hmm. And he, 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 we eat forty teaspoons of sugar in fruit juices and cereals and yogurts, and right. not even in just eating straight out um, chocolates and lollies. Yeah. What's What's your journey been like with sugar? So, first of all, I think we have so many different fads arriving in this space of food, right? Mm. And some of it is, of course, is calling to our attention to some serious problems. And I think there is a serious problem around food, around sugar. There's no doubt about that. Mm. Um, But now, of course, we're looking back and we realize a lot of the information we had about fat being so dreadful Mm. was actually incorrect. Mm. So I think the key thing is not to get hysterical with any of it and not mm. to get swept up in a fundamental truth around it. Mm. So are we consuming too much sugar? Is it being snug into just about everything we eat? Yes. Is it worthwhile to be aware of eating less sugar? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Does it mess with our energy levels? Absolutely. Um, I personally try to eat very little sugar because I find that as soon as I do, my energy levels go down. Mm. Uh, simply because you get the high spike and then you go down. Mm. So I have I have a little bit of chocolate every day, dark chocolate, um, but otherwise I don't t- tend to eat much, eat much of it. Having said that, there is nothing wrong with a beautiful, delicious cake every now and then, mm. right? So this is not an all or nothing. Again, this is tuning into what does your body need and what does it not need. So again, what I keep hearing and, 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 and enjoying is this reference point is not external research or rules. It's your own experience That's and right. what it's doing to your own That's experience. Right. And we, it's, it's reteaching ourselves to begin to trust our own experience, our own authority and letting that experience teach us. Yes, exactly. Mm. Because, you know, also when we hear of diets, for instance, it doesn't consider um, our age, the different phases we're going through in terms of, you know, menopause or being a teenager in very different energy mm. le- uh, uh, on, and nutrition needs from mm, that perspective. Mm. It doesn't consider uh, the time of the day. Mm. It doesn't consider um, our job and our lifestyle. There's mm. so many things that aren't considered in that or our body type, right? Mm. You know, I'm quite a slight person, so my needs are very different to somebody who's much more chunky naturally, mm. right? So... I think it has to be an individual thing. What mm. works for this body at this time? Mm. Right? I was working with a woman who was in her 60s and she had been anorexic since she was 18. Mm. Everything was in effect going straight through her. I noticed her eating and she would just pick she uh, raw vegetables and um, some very, very high fibre stuff. 
the staff complained to me saying that everything's going through her and they have to clean the sheets every night and it's not a, it's not a good situation. Mm. So I said to her if she would she would try something with me and just have white rice. It took two days and her system started to settle down, mm. right? So you, would you say we need white rice? Would you read many, many – you wouldn't read many recipes where, or many um, diet um, – much diet information saying you should have white rice, right, mm. because it doesn't have that much nutrition. Mm. But in a case where you need the system to calm down, white rice is fantastic. Mm. Something stodgy is fantastic. Mm. It's a good example of we have to listen to this particular body in this particular time, mm. what does it need? So the, the good thing is, of course, that the dear body practices are kind of endless. You mm. know, it is when we're walking that we can be aware of the sensations of walking, the sensations in the feet, the sensations in the legs, the sensations in the arm. We can arms. We can tune into. Is there any tension? We can be aware, of course, as we've already started talking about in the last session, um, the eating. We can be aware of when we shower. We can be aware of when we are hugging, when mm. we are sitting, coming into the body in any given moment, and of course, having the triggers that help us do that as well. So linking it to certain activities, certain times of day, etc. I mean, one lovely practice is simply to do seven-second hugs, right? It's a good idea to warn people. I sort of started, decided to do it spontaneously with a client in Melbourne on, on, on a staircase and she got very embarrassed. <laughs> but, you know, the, notice how the body responds to that. Mm. Notice what happens in the body. There's a five-second into it, it feels slightly awkward, and then you fall into it. You go, wow, this is something the body really needs and mm. this feels really good for the body, mm. Right. Tune in, as we said, with different foods and say, try something and go, how's the body responding to this? Mm. You can fine-tune it so much that you can actually walk past foods and just tune in and see how's the body actually reacting or responding to these foods. You might also just, you know, spontaneously ask, dear body, what do you need? And you might say, that's what happens for me. I just see pictures of the food that I need mm. and then I go and get it. And sometimes I'm surprised, but mm. I follow it because I know it works. So to summarise this practice, there are so many amazing benefits from stepping in and reconnecting with the dear body. And there are various ways of doing that. One way that I suggest is that you write a letter to your body. So take a bit of time out and sit there and really think about what that would say. Write that and then write a response back from your body to you. And just be curious around what comes up. Could you give us a little bit more texture to that? Like, so what would, what might a letter look like yeah. to my body? Sure. So a letter to my body might be, dear body, I know I don't always listen to you. I don't, I know I often don't really treat you well. I know sometimes I push you far too far and I think, you know, oh no, you know, you don't need much sleep tonight. Mm -hmm. And I'm really sorry about that. I'm mm -hmm. really sorry that I don't listen to you. I'm also sorry that I sometimes have too much wine for what is actually reasonable for you to deal with. Mm -hmm. I'm also sorry about being out in the sun and going, being vain rather than listening to what you need. I'm sorry for really just con not connecting with you enough. Mm -hmm. I do appreciate what you do for me. And I'm also sorry for being so very, very critical. As soon as you show a bit of cellulite or you aren't the way that I think you should be, I'm very hard on you. And I think that it's your fault. Hmm. I get angry at you. I think you shouldn't look so flabby. And is there is there also a possibility of thanking your body in this letter? You can do that. 
So you might come in to say, but I do appreciate. What I do appreciate about you is that you carry me around. You have, for instance, for women, it's very common to really acknowledge and give big thankful for you have actually held and grown two children Mm. in your system. That's amazing. And you Mm. provided milk for them. You gave birth to them. Amazing. Mm. You process all the food that I eat. You, Mm. in spite of me not getting enough sleep, you get out there and you still function Mm. for me. Um, You give me great delights. Mm. You so there are so many beautiful things in this space. Right. So it can be apolog- then, apologies and effects. Sorry. Anything that thank you it could just be acknowledgement. Got it. Okay. Anything that you feel is, comes to the forefront, just let the pen mm. flow. It's a good idea not to do it on a laptop. Do it with a pen and paper. Yeah. And then the body back to you. Body back to you. You know what? What's well, so always so very beautiful in this one? It's always unconditional love. The body always says it's okay. Mm. It's okay. Just try try to be a little – I really would like if you would move me a little bit more. Mm. And if you would just look at, you know, some more unprocessed food would be really nice. And if mm. you can make sure that I get enough sleep. But I love you and I appreciate you. And, you know, the kinder you are to you, to yourself and to others, the better it is for me too. Mm. So we often get something along those lines. Okay. Sometimes it can be – it can bring up a lot of pain doing mm. these letters. Mm. Um, for some people who have disabilities, for instance, it can be particularly confronting or if you've had a very harsh relationship with the body, mm. it can also be very confronting. Great. But again, the healing of the pain is the pain. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Shalata. Thank you.